Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about continuous soybeans on the show today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Brian, I'm trying to think, have we done continuous soybeans in recent years on our farm? Nope, I don't think so. Uh, other than maybe some plots. You know, it's one of those things with the drought conditions. Uh, we've had the question come up, am I better off planting the same crop back in the field? I just didn't get enough rain. I'm worried about herbicide carryover and these types of things. And it, it certainly is a consideration if you're in that spot. Yeah, um, it, it definitely is. For us, it was late planted stuff. And that's why we've had to do quite a few continuous beans in the past. And I guess the big thing that I just want to stress right off the bat here is continuous soybeans can be very successful. There are quite a few people that do that. It's just fine. It's it's just you've got more things that you've got to consider, or I should say different things, than when you're in a rotation. So that's, that's probably number one for me. I think about soybeans as nematode, brown stem rot, uh, gall midge, just things you're going to have in soybeans, and you're more likely to get them when you're continuous beans. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And we speak about the soybean cyst nematode issue. I, I was just visiting some some different soybean breeders here uh, in the state of Minnesota this week, looking at at different fields and looking at new varieties coming. And one of the things that's pretty exciting is we're starting to see more P King soybean cyst nematode resistant traits coming out. And and I asked about. It. I said, you know, I've had trouble getting the P Kings to yield. But now it seems like some of the last couple of years, newer classes of Peking beans are starting to keep up in yield. Is it the cis nematode shift? Is it something you figured out in the breeding process? And he said, well, it's kind of twofold. Um, the bre- a breeder I was talking to yesterday said, we've been introducing more conventional crosses where we're taking a conventional bean, crossing it to an enlist or crossing it to an extend flex and try to bring the Peking in that way. That's helped a little bit with yield, but I, I kind of threw up the red flag on that one because they've been crossing against conventional beans, trying to get more yield just with any trait, not necessarily to try and carry in Peking. But the thing that he did say is we, we are really seeing it in hot spots. So like the red river Valley up uh, the Minnesota, North Dakota border is a great example uh, the Minnesota Iowa border, that kind of area, just high nematode counts. A lot of growers who have been pulling soil samples and sending them in for nematode counts, the numbers are through the roof, and they're seeing so much resistance or tolerance to the old PI eight eight seven eight eight trait that introducing P King in there gives something different, and it helps fight off nematodes just a little better. So. He's pretty confident that's that's a big part of what's happening out there, and and you're right. If you're doing continuous soybeans, I would certainly look at what I'm ha- what I'm using for soybean cyst nematode protection and rotating that from year to year. Yeah, that's number one for me because I think about even our farm. We have done continuous corn just to get away from some of the problems that a lot of others have in soybeans, and even like sclerotinia white mold has been the biggest one for us. That's much more prevalent if you're going beans on beans. Well, if you go to corn for, let's say, three years, 
you don't have near as much problem with sclerotinia white mold. So whether it's diseases, insects, uh, you know, cyst nematode, whatever, I mean, almost all the major issues in soybeans, you can kind of escape if you go two or three years corn. But today we're talking about raising continuous soybeans. So you're going, wait a second here. I, I got a lot of problems now, or I may have more problems. How am I going to solve all these things? And I'm always going to come back to, it starts with having good drainage and great fertility. We look at soil tests every day. I mean, there are so many people that send us their soil tests, and it is very rare when I go, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you have good levels of just about everything. You should have a great field here. So it, it, sure, whether it's being uh, having the pH off, the P and K off, some of the micronutrients, I mean, there are just so many things to take a look at. And everybody, it feels like, focuses on corn fertility and then forgets about soybean fertility. Well, soybeans need a tremendous amount of fertility, too, especially potassium. That's really the number one thing for soybeans. Well, here's one other thing, Brian. As, as you're pulling soil samples this fall, and this is for everyone, even in ground that's going to go to soybeans, ask for a nitrate nitrogen test, too. This was an interesting thing. I was talking with an agronomist who covers uh, several states in the upper Midwest, and he said in the soil test they're pulling this year, almost every one of them is showing higher levels of nitrate than what the farmer would expect to see. And he said, if you look okay, at some of the common factors here, in the iron deficiency chlorosis areas this year, and they were so yellow, even in the beans that are supposed to be pretty good, he said, we had high levels of nitrate. So he said, look, look at your soil test this fall and see if we had another hot year, if you had a dry, if you had dry conditions and maybe not as great a crops as you would have hoped, maybe you got a bunch of nitrate left over too, that you need to be thinking about. Okay, but other than that, I, I mean, why else would you test for nitrate going into soybeans? I would not. I'm not that worried about it because, quite frankly, if I have high pH, I know I'm going to have iron deficiency chlorosis anyway. Yes, I agree it's going to be worse with more nitrate. But still, I, I mean, long term, like on our farm, we're fixing the pH rather than just continuing to deal with the same problem year after year on that IDC. You get the pH below 7, your problem's gone. That's it. No more IDC. It's pretty awesome. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, if you have excess nitrate, then you're going to have more issues with iron deficiency chlorosis. You know, the other thing, too, I was just reading an article about red crown rot and how they're seeing yield losses of 30%. This is something, if you don't know what red crown rot is yet, it, it used to be thought of as something that you'd see in the south. Now it's as far north as you want to go in the United States. I'm not sure if it's been found in Canada yet, but uh, it's another one of those diseases that you're going to see down on the lower part of the soybean plant that, that can really get you. And Saltro and Olivo are products that, that are getting labeled for control. So just something else you may consider if you're going in continuous soybeans. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? 
With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, talking about continuous soybeans. If you put soybeans on last year's soybean grounds, uh, what are the things you got to think about? Because there's definitely going to be a challenge there. We talked about soybean cyst nematode as one of those things that we'd be really concerned about. Not that we wouldn't go soybeans back into soybean ground, but if you have a nematode issue, definitely got to manage that. Got Chris Munsterman on right now with Syngenta to talk about some of the other things you might want to think about. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Hey, greetings from Omaha. You're doing great. You know, I was thinking about Saltro too, and... Personally, if if I've had if I have soybean sudden death syndrome on my farm, I'm using Saltro every single time because it's going to pay for itself. You only need SDS to show up like one out of ten years and it pays for it. But now you got a label for red crown rot too, and I was just reading an article today that can take thirty percent of your yield if you don't treat that. And I don't know what else is gonna stop it. So it looks right. to me like you got a, a kind of a nice one two punch there. Well, the, the more I read about red crown rot, the more scared I get. We haven't seen it in eastern Nebraska yet, but I have a feeling that our our days are numbered on that count. So I know my counterparts in Illinois have had pretty decent luck, I would call, suppressing red crown rot with Saltro. The other thing we that might be apropos to the discussion today is if you're going to be going beans on beans, you might need more SCN protection, SDS protection in We've had the label change on Saltro allowing you to essentially use uh, a 2x rate of what we initially launched for enhanced nematode activity and SDS protection. That's kind of a soft pedal. The label just changed about a month and a half ago. So our seed care people are trying to work with our treaters to uh, inform them of that. And we're not saying paint the world with this uh, higher rate, but we've seen some good results where we're going into super high pressure situations with nematodes and or SCN and red crown rot uh, around, and it's had some activity, which the powers that be, uh, we had the residue program to support that label, and they let us do it. So that's yeah. something to think about. 
you know, er, you, men- you mentioned this, Chris, uh, that that a lot of farmers know. Hey, this is the field that I have more problems in, right. and. You know what? Like you say, it might not be something you do on the entire farm, but on that one problem field, I, I like to look at the return on investment on all these things. And so, what if you spend another ten bucks or fifteen bucks? We talk about white mold all the time, which is another concern right. if you're doing continuous soybeans. We're going to spend probably at least fifty dollars an acre in those white mold spots. But wow, when you know how much a, a problem disease like that can take away from you, that's like three or four bushels of soybeans it's it's not much it doesn't take much to get a good return yeah it's different than when i got into agriculture when beans were eight dollars a bushel you know? <laughs> yes so it, it, it adds up now but I, I you know the whole beans on beans thing i get that question a lot of times and for a lot of times it's for aesthetics you know somebody that has a, their home in the middle of a section and they don't want the view obstructed by corn so they'll plant beans a lot of years and stuff like that but i never thought about it until i heard you all talking at the beginning of the show about carryover issues or you know the drought affecting breakdown of residual herbicides so i hadn't thought about that but that's another reason to uh think about beans on beans well what was interesting i, I was just looking at at some soybean breeder trials and the corn looked great, and they had soybeans planted right next to it, and the soybeans looked eh, okay. And I said, what's going on here? And they said, well, we had a thistle patch out here, and the guy whose field it is sprayed Stinger last year at a pretty strong rate, and he sprayed it late in the season because he just was sick and tired of these thistles, and it carried yeah. over on him. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's just a lot of things to think about if you're – if you're in a crop rotation, that if you do go continuous, hey, there could be an advantage there. I mean, you look back at yeah. all the uh, conventional soybean herbicides that used to get used back in the 80s and 1990s, and if you had a really dry year and you used a full rate of pursuit or a full rate of first yep. rate or something like that, might be a good idea to go back to soybeans just to avoid the problem. Exactly, yeah. The things have a long tail on them sometimes, I don't think. Hey, speak about uh, things that, that can last for a while. Just poor weed control. And and here's something that I see, you know, guys planted soybeans. They didn't get all the, let's just use pigweed for an example, because I think almost right. everybody listening could say, oh, yeah, pigweed's a tough one. But if you don't get all the pigweed control, under control, and then you say, I'm going back to soybeans again this year, you know, what are some of the things you're seeing that, that are really working there that, that are taking out really heavy infestations? Well, I guess the main thing here with us in Nebraska with Palmer is we just really can never let Palmer germinate. So keeping residuals in every pass, sadly, in some parts in the western part of Nebraska, we're in a three-pass program now where they're growing 30-inch beans for white mold. And so we keep a group 15 in every pass over the field. Uh, that's probably the, you know, the easiest and most consistent method that we've seen works, you know, obviously in our case, be a broad ax pre followed by getting some esmetolachlor in first shot over the top. And then when you say your last Liberty cleanup or something, put some in with that too. And that's leave it to a chemical company to say, use more chemicals, but that is proven to lessen the seed bank pressure going forward. It's unpalatable, but sadly that's where we are. Yeah, and and I agree with you. Just you don't even want to see those things at all. So if you can stop them before they emerge, that's the best way to go. The the other thing I think about is this planting population. And Brian and I have been talking about this a, 
a bunch this summer that there's been a trend on soybeans to lower planting populations. And the unfortunate side effect of that is yep. more daylights getting through and we're seeing more weeds emerge. So bumping that population back up just a little bit could be something to help you if you've got a weed problem too. Right. And just think about if you have a choice, maybe select a bushier leaf architecture. Uh, plant type if you're going to do if you're thinking about going down to that 70 80 90,000 yeah uh, yeah variety selection right. makes a big deal when you get into some of those extreme uh, situations like that I think planting date does too if we can can plant you know some of these pigweeds are coming earlier but there's plenty that come later and if we can get yeah. an earlier crop canopy you know, you mentioned, oh, okay, a uh, chemical salesman likes selling more chemical, but he also likes it when stuff works great. And if you get a crop canopy, that's going to make your residual herbicide look awesome. There's, I always tell people in my plot tours, there's nothing I can sell you or my sales reps can sell you that's as good as shade for keeping weeds from coming. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And, and it's very environmentally friendly, too. Shade is <laughs> There's no residues with shade. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Hey, I got a question for you. Since uh, since sure. you're in Nebraska and and in some of those tough conditions, you guys have had some really dry years. Um, you know, when you look at these post-emerge residuals, to me, that the solution is try and spray them as early as you can. Don't wait until the last minute when your pre's are running out of gas. You just got to get out in front of it. Do you have any other tips for making those work better or getting more out of them? Well, with the nozzles that we have to use to stay uh, on label with the auxin technology, uh, I've run into some problems occasionally where growers have shaved off-label. They're going down to like 12-gallon work instead of 15 that's mandated in the label. So try to keep it at 15 to 20 gallons. We want as many drops of a – if you've got a residual in your mix, we want as many drops actually hitting soil as we can get because – while they can wash off, say, asymptolichlor, can wash off uh, a green plant tissue, a weed or a bean, but that's, that's a delayed process. We need those residual herbicides in the soil or on the soil. So keep your volumes up. Uh, I'll always say 20 or 25 gallons is, per acre is much better than 12 to 15. And it's just simple. It's boring, but it's the basics, like I call them the blocking and tackling of agronomics that sometimes it makes a big difference that don't really cost you that much more money. Well, it is, it is those basics that are just so critical. I, I think back to all the, you mentioned the sports reference and I think back to every practice I ever had as a kid, it's like, what, we're going to go through those drills again. <laughs> oh, the basics are boring, but uh, you're right. When we can set the table up for a great crop, for fast emergence, for early crop canopy, shading out all those weeds, it just helps a ton. Hey, Chris, uh, really appreciate all the input today. Thanks yeah. for the advice. Uh, Chris Munsterman Thank here you. with Syngenta. We're talking about good luck at harvest. Oh, you. you bet. You too. We're talking about continuous soybeans on our show today. If you get in a spot where, uh, hey, you need to, or if you think, hey, this might be my most profitable option, we're going to talk about some of the extra things you can do to be successful with continuous soybeans as today's Ag PhD radio show continues. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. 
Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Last year's fertilizer cost too much. This year's fertilizer still costs too much. So maybe next year... Ahem. Maybe next year, instead of paying whatever the market dictates, you should find a new source. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the crop nutrients that are already in your soil, so you can use less fertilizer and capture the yield you count on to turn a profit. I said to turn a profit. That's more like it. Learn more at sound.ag. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from FarmShop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com. From the moment the first seed is in the ground, your days until harvest are numbered. Each day, every decision leads to your bottom line. So, when it comes to harvest, rely on the only combine built to deliver the numbers you deserve. The Kloss Lexion gives you the quality, efficiency, reliability, and precision that make every minute count. Go ahead, let the numbers drive you with a Lexion Combine built by Kloss. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time, adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And when we talk about continuous crops, I would say nine out of 10 people are thinking, oh, you're probably talking continuous corn today. And you guys talk about silage and you get a dairy that's right next to you. Yeah, we do some continuous corn. But today we're talking about continuous soybeans. And there are some guys for, for a variety of reasons that choose to go continuous soybeans. And whether that's a uh, hey, it's just my most profitable crop, or uh, Chris Munsterman brought up a point I never thought of. Well, hey, it's right out my window, and if I've got 10 or 12 foot tall corn out the window, I can't see. So I like a a crop that's shorter. Um, I don't know. I like looking at corn personally, but I I can understand why some people might want to see a little further than just the edge of your field. and, and we talked about herbicide carryover just a little bit, too, with some of the drought conditions out there, depending on what you've used. If you're worried about carryover, we go back to advice that my dad had given Brian and me coming out of the 1970s and 1980s droughts of, hey, the best thing I did 
Let's go right back in the same fields with the same crops as I did last year. That way I could take advantage of leftover fertilizer. I could avoid any carryover issues from leftover herbicides, those types of things. So lots to think about with continuous soybeans. If you've got a question or if you want to talk about this strategy on your farm, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Mississippi. we got Trent Irby on with us right now. Trent, how you doing? Hey, man, doing fine. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So continuous soybeans, does that happen in Mississippi very often? Yeah, it does. We've, we've got a, a fair number of continuous soybean fields, and, and kind of like you just mentioned, there's a variety of reasons for it. I'd say our most popular reason is probably the the market and, and the profitability of, of which commodity, and, and then on the flip side of that, soil texture. So so we have a fair number of acres that are a, a, a clay soil, you know, a heavy clay type soil texture, and and those fields typically will go to soybeans most years. All right, so talk to us about that. If you put soybeans out in the same spot year after year, there are bound to be a few issues that show up. And I, I've been in Mississippi enough to know there's more than a few pigweeds and, and other tough weeds to control down there. What what are the biggest challenges, you'd say, in continuous soybeans? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, certainly, I, I think the number one thing that comes to mind for us is, is disease issues, really. Uh you know, having those those pathogens that, that stay in that residue year in, year out. And then, of course, with today's modern technology and the precision planting and, and auto steer technology, we, we typically put the seed right back in the same trench it was year in, year out. So we're exposing those next year's seedlings to the same disease problems that we might have had in, in a prior year without that rotation being in the key. All right, so where we've got disease issues here, it generally means we're going to start with the best seed treatment package we can find and probably add a Saltro or an Olivo on top of that. I know Zyway has gotten a label to put out for soybeans at planting time, too. There are, there are more fungicide choices that we've got really right out the gate with soybeans. Yeah, and, and certainly I think that just adds a component there to our, our variety selection and seed treatment planning there on the front part of the season. Uh, you know, we do have a handful of disease issues that, that we currently don't have a management strategy for uh, outside of, of rotation or some kind of deep tillage to bury that residue. So those in particular are the ones that cause us the, the most trouble in continuous soybean systems. So what, what diseases specifically are you talking about here? Taproot decline is the first one that comes to mind. It's, it's, uh, it's a relatively new disease, actually, within the last few years. It, it's down in Louisiana and Mississippi and some other states, too. Um, but it, it's one of those that it, it is becoming increasingly concerning. Uh, our growers see it, and especially on years like we've had this year where where we've had a lot of hot, dry weather and, and stressful situations, uh, you know, you can you can see it. It almost feels like it's it's getting worse in some cases. Um, there's there's a lot of effort going in from from university plant pathology groups and uh, a lot of research going into it to evaluate different seed treatment options or fungicides. But as of today, as of right now, we're we're still on the let's try to rotate when we can or do some kind of kind of tillage to bury that residue if we can. Yeah, tillage is, is something, too. I know that used to be more common. We're seeing a lot of farmers reduce their amount of tillage or even go no-till. 
when you're in continuous soybeans, is it a good idea to be doing a lot of tillage, or, or are you in favor of doing less tillage? I mean, I, I realize there's pros and cons to both. Yeah, I think it's situational dependent. You know, in this particular situation, I, I would be in favor of the tillage because it, it could help mitigate a problem that, that could be, you know, an economic impact in the future. Uh, there are certainly situations where, where we, we are huge proponents of reduced tillage, of course, we we I guess it depends on which acre you're talking about. We have a large number of irrigated acres in our state. A lot of that's furrow irrigation, so we do predominantly a reduced tillage type system where we can form those beds to facilitate the furrow irrigation. You know, you mentioned disease issues, and I think about a lot of the soil type issues, but foliar issues are are a big deal too. I know as as we travel south, more farmers that we talk to say, "Oh yeah, I'm putting out fungicide multiple times." Uh, is that something common in in Mississippi? Do you have a lot of foliar disease issues normally? I think it depends on the year. Uh, you know, this year. Depending on where you were, there were a few issues, but not a lot. And it also depends on the the varieties that we're selecting. You know, of course, there's a, a huge number of commercially available varieties out there, but most of our growers are are planting. Some, you know, the the ten or twenty varieties that that have the greatest yield potential. And I think we're in a current point of history where we're fortunate that a lot of those actually have really good disease packages when it comes to a lot of the, the past problems of foliar diseases like frog eye leaf spot for example you know we have a lot of tolerance built into some of the varieties that we're planting across a lot of acres yeah yeah that's for sure stem canker resistance getting a lot stronger i mean there's you're, you're right the breeding programs have done a really nice job on that but one thing they haven't done a good job on trent is root knot nematode protection i i see a lot of cyst nematode choices and i mentioned earlier we're seeing more peking varieties but I don't see a whole lot of root knot resistant varieties out there. Is it just me or are you are growers able to find enough of those in Mississippi? No, that one's a challenge too. And and it feels like that particular nematode um, may be spreading a little bit in, in terms of the number of acres. I mean, it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not a, a huge impact, but where it's an impact, it's a major impact, if that makes sense. And uh, we're kind of in that same same boat, just trying to come up with management options to facilitate that. You know, you mentioned um, you mentioned heavy clay soils. Uh, a lot of guys will will end up using soybeans in those situations. Here on on some of the heavy clay, we have a tough time with plant height. Uh, are there any challenges just from a, from a plant type that growers have to to pick if they're going into continuous soybeans? I, I would think standability may be a big thing. Uh, anything else that comes to mind there? Yeah, standability, and and then of course, you know, when when we can generate data to keep up with it. Um, yeah, I'm going to use the term flood tolerance, not necessarily from having to have long term flooding issues, but more from a, a water retention standpoint. We typically put those varieties on that soil that can handle uh, all the water holding capacity that soil has. But you mentioned high high is a big one. Uh, and certainly that soil texture versus some of our other soils, like the the more popular cotton uh, type soils, we would have two different uh, height. You know, soybeans growing on those, we'd have a shorter stature on the lighter texture, but we we can grow those taller statured soybeans on the heavier soil because it won't get the same height that it would otherwise. 
Yeah, breeders talk about that a lot. They're they're like, hey, you can only use it on this type of soil. You can't That's can't right. go on those soil. Got to be got to be on this one on the heavy clays and this one on the mixed soils. Now we're talking with Trent Derby down in Mississippi. If you haven't placed that accent yet, uh, and some of the challenges he's talking about, man, root knot nematode. If you're in Wisconsin, you're saying, oh no, is this something I have to worry about? Not yet, Wisconsin. Hold on, there's there's time. You get plenty of other challenges up there. Uh, hey, Trent, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Man, thank you. Talking about continuous soybeans on today's program and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. 
listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about continuous soybeans, and we're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a second. Uh, white mold, Brian. We, we got into a disease discussion a little bit, and it got me thinking, oh man, that'd probably be my biggest concern if we were continuous soybeans on our farm, if it happened to be a field that had a white mold history, because that can be pretty tough. Yeah, it can, and that was what I had said earlier in the show, too. We haven't had as many nematode problems because we've raised so much corn on our farm over the years. But white mold, oh, yeah, it's bad, in part because we have tremendous fertility levels. And the challenge with white mold is it's going to likely strike your best beans in the best areas of the best fields. <laughs> so that, that's really discouraging when you go, wow, I should have 90 bushel beans here, and you have 50 or you have 20. It's rough. So there are always about 10 things that we're going to talk about with sclerotinia white mold. And the reason why I say that to lead off is just if you think that you're going to go out and spray one or maybe two shots of fungicide, that's going to solve all your problems with white mold. No way. We've tried that and tried that. It simply does not work. That is not enough. And I'm talking about serious, very severe white mold issues because we've had areas that have gone to zero on our farm. So literally 80, 90 bushel beans. They go to zero. So that's severe. And if you have a severe issue with sclerotinia white mold, you want to do contents in the fall. You need to plant a better variety. Try to find a more tolerant variety. Nothing's resistant, but plant a more tolerant variety. Go to a little wider row spacing, a little lower planting population. Make sure you have good manganese levels in your soil then I'm absolutely going to use Heads Up as a seed treatment. doesn't cost much. It's maybe three, four bucks to add your seed treatment package. Early post, I'm going to do something like Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max. I mean, those things aren't labeled or anything like that, but I, I mean, I've just found that you're going to shorten the beans just a little bit, and that's usually an advantage. And then we start talking Cobra right before flowering, and then three shots of fungicide post-emerge. Endure is the best, but I like the combination of Topson and Domark, and there are others as well. But, yeah, it, it takes so many things if you want to have good white mold tolerance. Yeah, it sure does. And and we think about all the things that go into being successful with soybeans, weed control, disease control, nematode control or suppression, uh, all the insects that come into soybeans, there, there are a lot of challenges. It's not the easiest crop to raise if you want to have high yields and high profitability, but certainly is something that, that can be done. You just have to be, uh, just have to plan things out and be proactive ahead of these problems. Yeah. Yeah, you do. But then you also have to be scouting on a regular basis and be very reactionary because like with insects, we're not going to tell anybody to go spraying before you ever see a bug out in the field. You want to see the insects, count them, some degree and determine okay do i have a threshold level here or not if you have an economic threshold level pull the trigger i I was i was just this afternoon darren taking a look at insecticide prices for next year you can get a cheap pyrethroid for under two dollars an acre so if you've got resistance issues sure i I mean it's going to cost you a little more but i mean insecticide is not it, it, it it's just it's not that expensive when you look at what could you possibly lose. But, I mean, I can say the same thing about herbicide and fungicide. A lot of prices are down going into next year, so I'm super excited. I I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm hoping we don't have to spray. (laughs) But almost every year we do 
So assuming we're going to have to spray, if I get a little bit lower cost, that's a good thing. All right. Um, one of the questions, are you ready for a question here on soybeans? Uh, sure. I mean, I can talk the rest of this segment on continuous beans, but I know we got questions that have come in, so go ahead. Okay, well, this one comes in from John down in northwest Tennessee, and he said, hey, we're, we're going to be planting soybeans, but our problem is we've got a low soil pH, and we just don't have any lime close by. There, There is just such a high transportation cost to get it here. What do you think about calcium chloride? There's a liquid product that I can get that has calcium chloride. They've got plenty of their own internal data showing that it works, but... I, I just have never used this. wonder if you guys have. Nope, haven't used calcium chloride, but I'll say this. Um, if, if you can't get lime, and, well, here, let me step back. Um, if you think it's too expensive, at least spend a little money on a few of your acres, put some down, and then see if you can see a difference. In our experience with soybeans, we have not found that pH hurts nearly as bad as it does with corn. It can be several hundred dollars an acre loss on corn if you've got pH in the fives as opposed to the sixes. So corn, really big deal. Soybeans, not quite as much. So I'm not as worried about it. But let's put it this way. Um, if you want to go out there with some calcium chloride, you sure can. It probably will help to some degree. But that's not going to change your soil's pH. And that's ultimately what you want. Because when you get the pH into the sixes, you're going to have better microbial life. You're going to have nutrients that are a little bit more available, not all of them, but like phosphorus, for example, will be a little bit more available than it would be down in, let's call it the low to mid fives. So you're going to have some advantages by changing the overall pH. It's not just about, oh, is the crop going to do well in this or that? It's the whole soil profile. So anyway, yeah, you can certainly try some. Don't go overboard with liquid products, and especially when it's calcium chloride, I mean, you put way too much chloride on there, that could potentially be an issue for you. So as long as you're using it sparingly, trying some first on a smaller scale before you go crazy with that, um, I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. We've tried some different calcium products over the years. You can see some advantage, especially if you have low calcium soils. Hey, thanks for the question. Now I get this one in from Jeff in eastern Kansas. He said, guys, white mold is not a concern on our farm, but you're bringing up an interesting discussion about diseases. Talk to me about fungicide use. Have you tried Zyway out? You talk about it in your corn. Have you tried it in soybeans? Do you like Saltro? And then what is your foliar program? Again, white mold, not a concern. Okay, so no, haven't tried Zyway yet in soybeans. We will. You know what, though? We've maybe got, we we've got a little a bit. We've got a little bit out there, yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. got a few trials. But I, I, yeah, but I have no data to say, oh, yeah, it's great or it's not. So I, I'm all for trying that. That's fine. But what we're doing right now is it, without white mold. Okay, so let's, let's take our non-white mold fields. We're just going in about R2, maybe early R3. So, like, as soon as you see the very first pod in the field, you're still technically at R2. Um, when when every plant's got a pod, then you're R3. But anyway, right kind of in that range as a one-shot program with a two or three mode of action fungicide. Do that, and then if you want to, you can always come back three weeks later if you go, wow, my beans look great, and I got a lot of uh, a lot of humidity, and I'm just I'm concerned I might have more issues. You can come in later. We've done that, and 
a lot of times we will get some yield gain there, but that's that's kind of what we do there. And then, what? We, oh, Saltro was the other question. Saltro is fine on sudden death syndrome and on cyst nematode. It's going to give you some activity. I never count on any of those products to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain 20 bushels on cyst nematode. But could you gain a little bit? Sure. But yeah, Saltro is pretty good on, on sudden death syndrome. We just talked about that on the show maybe a week ago or so. Saltro and Olivo are kind of the products of choice. And with Saltro, we don't see the halo effect on the cotyledons like we do with Olivo. Granted, we're not seeing yield loss or anything like that when we see that little bit of yellowing on the cotyledons. And it's just on the exterior of the cotyledons, not interior. So it's not a big deal, but still a lot of people go, well, I don't know if I want that, so I'm going to go to Saltro. Yeah, it's, it's a fine product. Yeah, there there are some choices out there now, which is kind of a nice thing. We we didn't have some of those things. I mean, of course, we didn't have sudden death syndrome 20 years ago, so it's been nice. There have been a few solutions that we've got, but that chemistry is is working quite well, and we're we're seeing that uh, saltro chemistry both in some of the foliar uh, uses that it's got in the Miravis products, and also in the planting time uses as well. So. Yeah, I guess we'll see. As we we keep moving forward, there'll be more things that come up, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of these soybean challenges and continuous soybeans, and we'll get back to more of your questions after this. You've done it. Your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. 
I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. The hardworking independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we've been talking about continuous soybeans. Uh, hey, any other continuous soybean thoughts you had, Brian, before uh, we get back into some questions? Well, I guess I would just say that a lot of people will tell you you can't do it, you don't want to do it. If you feel that's the best way to make money on your farm, I'm certainly not going to fault you for that. We're going to try everything we can to help you be successful. I, I'm most fearful, like I said, about sclerotinia white mold, soybean cyst nematode. And beyond that, I mean, I don't have like a lot of worries. I mean, gall midge is a little bit of a concern now, but I, I mean, you really can do this if, if you want to, but I'll go back to what I said at the outset, and that was make sure you have great drainage, make sure you're focused on fertility, not just, oh, we're okay on fertility. you got to have a lot, especially potassium, because on a per-day basis, a great soybean crop takes more K out of the ground than a great corn crop at the peak. I'm not saying all year long. I'm saying at the peak, soybeans need a ridiculous amount of K. So make sure your potassium levels are not 1% or 2 or 3%. They've got to be at least 4%. And personally, I'd rather have them 5 or 6 or 7% uh, on the base saturation test if you're going for big-time yields. All right. Um, speak about big-time yields, Derek in Indiana has a question. He said, guys, I am strip-tilling, I'm using a shank, and I'm putting my PNK down deep. Now, my specific goals this year are around phosphorus. I've got 50 parts per million in my top 6 inches, but only 15 in my 6 to 12 inch profile. So I'm working on building that 6 to 12 inch up, uh, hopefully up to the 50 where I'm at up top. Is that a good goal? Is that a good level to be at? And then also, since I already have 50 parts per million in the top 6 inches, Will I benefit by adding more in furrow? I'm considering putting a small amount of liquid in at planting time on my corn. <sighs> okay. Uh, what test are we talking about here? What, what uh, Malik, Malik 3. Okay. Malik 350 is pretty low. Um, that would be equivalent to a P2 or strong bray test. And a lot of times the weak bray or, or an Olsen test is going to show you a, like half of that is available today. So in other words, you're maybe talking 25 equivalent on like a P1 test. That's not a lot. I, I mean, that's, that's 50 pounds available today. I, I mean, not terrible, certainly not terrible. But 
yeah, I, I mean, I would say that's a bare minimum. And that's a lot of times what I'm talking to guys about is 50 on a malic tree, bare minimum. On our farm, we build, we try to build everything up to a bare minimum of 100. And personally, I like 150 better. But it all depends on your yield goal, what you're trying to accomplish, if you own the ground or rent it, stuff like that. But here's the other thing that I want you to think about. Okay, you're going to raise your phosphorus levels, and that's great. But don't forget about zinc. Don't forget about copper. If you don't have zinc and copper in ratio with phosphorus, you might do more harm than good by adding that phosphorus out there. So, and it's very inexpensive to add a little bit of zinc and a little bit of copper. So just make sure you do those things at the same time. Get those levels built up too. But yes, I'm I'm all for building your deeper your deeper profile. Okay. Uh, I get this from Jay in Wisconsin. He said, hey, guys, I'm a no-till farmer, and my goal here is to get better residue breakdown, so I bought a chopping corn head. This will be my first year running it. A couple of questions for you. First of all, uh, plan on cutting residue up in about six-inch chunks is what they told me to expect. Could be a little smaller. Uh, what do you do to manage all those small pieces? And then also, how high are you cutting the stalks on your farm? Is he going to do tillage, strip till? No till. No till. No till. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, in no till, then I'm definitely going to cut those stalks up higher. I, I'd like to cut them 18 inches high, maybe 24 if I could. Um, then you have more stock left to catch some of the, the little pieces that are most likely going to be blowing around. Hopefully, you get some rain on it soon afterwards. That'll help stabilize things. But otherwise, yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I would probably raise that up a little bit. Um, so beyond that, I, I don't really know what I'm going to do to manage yet so it doesn't blow away or anything. On our farm, we do a lot of strip till or conventional till, and then obviously that takes care of that. Yeah, I like uh, I like having the I like having that residue a little bit taller. This is something we got told early that we should leave yeah. the residue really tall. But if we leave it twelve to eighteen inches tall, it it does a pretty good job holding the small pieces out there. Yes. Yeah, and then as far as how you manage things going into next year, you're just hoping for the best overall residue breakdown. So if you so if you look at your residue after it goes through this chopping corn head, hopefully it's slicing through the middle of it. If you expose that pulp, things are going to break down faster. There are microbial breakdown products you can use too. So if you want to spray something like that this fall, great. Also, you got to make sure that your residue has a fair amount of nitrogen in it. So if you want to spray a little bit, whether it's 5 gallons all the way up to maybe 20 gallons of liquid 28% over the top to speed the residue breakdown, you can do that too. But the reason why we lo love the chopping corn head, even in no-till, a lot of people that, oh, you don't want to chop in corn head for no-till. I think it's fantastic because now you've got a much better chance with the smaller pieces of residue to push them out of the way instead of trying to slice through them all the time. Slicing through them in the spring for us was super problematic because we're always cool and things are damp. And we just, I don't care what culture we use, we just couldn't get a good cut, a good slice. And then we'd hairpin residue. We would not have good seed-to-soil contact and our stands were subpar thanks for the question good luck to you I, we do like the the chopping corn head that's been a nice addition on our farm and and it, it may take just a little bit of time to figure it all out on your farm but i think you're going to enjoy it as well 
had this question come in from Adam over in central Minnesota. Say, guys, corn rootworm was a real problem on our farm. We're just getting started into some corn, and boy, there, there are some issues out there. My challenge is I don't have any way to apply insecticide, so I plan on using SmartStacks Pro hybrids next year to have multiple traits to try to stop these rootworms, but I'm also considering investing in a system to put on insecticide. And here's where my question is. Should I invest in an inferro system? Then I could do fertilizer in addition to doing insecticide. Or what do you guys think about the foam system that you use? Would that be a better solution for me, even though I'd only be able to use it for insecticide? Well, I love the foam system, and I'm hoping in the next year or two they'll have a way to put fungicide on at the same time as insecticide. But, yeah, it's not a fertilizer delivery system. So it just depends on what you're after. Um, We've we've done just about every different system there is. Um, So here's the thing. The very, very best rootworm control is going to be dry. So that's separate from both of these things. So if you said, all right, you know what, I can't get the SmartStacks Pro that I'm looking for. I got to have fantastic rootworm control. I'm going dry. Use Dry Force or Aztec. That's where you get the, the absolute best control. But the liquid can be good too. So, I mean, Capture LFR is not too bad. Index is even better because that's got another mode of action in it. Granted, it costs a bunch more money. Um, there's Nerisma that's coming out from BSF. So there are some choices there. So what would I do? Um, boy, I don't know. I, if I feel like I need the fertilizer, then I'd probably go that direction and go in furrow. So if I had, if I could only pick one, that's probably the one I would do. But quite frankly, on our on our planter, we have both. We have the foaming system and the liquid, and we love that. Thanks for the question. Now I got this one in from Joe out in. Montana, and he said, guys, we'll be treating winter wheat this week. Wireworms have been a problem for us. Is Taraxa worth the money, or will doubling the rate of gaucho get the job done? Taraxa will actually kill the wireworms. So if you've had wireworm issues in the past, use Taraxa, because now you're going to thin out your population. And so here's kind of the way I would think about it. If I use Taraxa, maybe for the next couple, three years, then I, I potentially could go back to a gaucho or something like that and not have any issues. You want to lower that population. That's going to help you more than anything. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that and had a fun discussion today on continuous soybeans. If you have questions or uh, anything we can help you with agronomically, you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.